we're recognizing that our mission and vision as a church that we've been growing into and leaning into in the recent year and even beyond that, uh, that we are calling real life together, connecting, growing, and serving, is really about us recognizing that we're intending, our desire is to be and to be seen by others as real people, right? We're not, not holier-than-thou Christians who, who, who don't have any problems or who are perfect, but that we are all broken people that God is putting back together. And, and our desire is to invite other people to experience Jesus and to go on this journey of faith together where we are being made whole by the power of God's mercy and grace in our lives. We're real people serving a real God. That, that this belief that we have, this Christianity that we uh, believe in, this Jesus that we follow is not just some intellectual uh, belief system. It's a real relationship with a God who is alive. And because Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit, we have a real relationship, not only for an hour on Sunday morning, but every moment of every day throughout the journey of our lives. We are real people and we serve a real God. And because of those two things, we also believe that the Bible clearly teaches that we have been given a real mission to fulfill. God didn't call us together just to, to warm seats in the church, but to, to be gifted and called and empowered to go out into the world to make a difference, to transform lives, and to transform communities. And as we look a little bit at the story of the church in the Bible this morning, as we hear how God is working in the lives of our people here at Faith Covenant Church, I hope that we are encouraged to see that God has a real mission for us to fulfill. And the, the exciting thing is that we get to be a part of that. As we pursue a real life together, as we connect and as we grow and as we serve together, we're also recognizing that the good news of the Bible isn't about how good we are, right? It's about how good God is. The good news is the goodness and the generosity and the graciousness of the God who loves us, even sometimes in spite of ourselves. In John 10, 10, Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I've come that they might have life and have it to the full or have it abundantly. Jesus came with this desire to give his disciples this thing that he calls abundant life life to the full. And what we've been learning about this spring, if you've been here with us as we've gone through our Love, Mercy, Do Justice series, and as we, we talked about last week, an abundant life is a fruitful life. If you want to know what an abundant life is, it's a, it's a fruitful life where the righteousness of God that puts us in right relationship with himself and with one another and with his creation begins to overflow out of a transformed heart where we begin to experience the fruit of God's spirit at work in our lives and in our relationships. And when we begin to see that fruit emerging in our lives, when we see our ability to transform our marriages and our kids and our neighbors and our coworkers, and we see God working through us, and again, often sometimes in spite of us, right? We can celebrate that God is using us for a purpose that is so much greater and so much deeper than anything we could have ever thought or imagined. The other thing I think is important to recognize, though, in this process of wanting to uh, live a fruitful life is that the fruit is not something that we can create or manufacture in our own strength, right? God doesn't say, I want you to be fruitful, and so you have to go out and figure out how to manufacture and create this fruit in your life, this righteousness in your life. It says it comes from staying connected to 
Jesus, who is the source of that fruit, right? That's what we talked about last week if you were with us. We looked at John 15. Jesus said, I am the vine, you're the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And after Jesus rose from the dead, if you were here with us at Easter, uh, Jesus rose from the dead and he met with his disciples. And in Acts 1.8, he told them that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We are real people living in a relationship with a real God who's given us a real mission to fulfill. And then on Pentecost, 50 days later, which is what Pentecost means, right? 50 days. Jesus, what Jesus promised happened in Acts 2, 1 through 4. It As says, we're when the doing things Pentecost a little differently came, this morning. We were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. See, the, the giving of the Holy Spirit at this experience of Pentecost that we celebrated this spring on May 20th was the birthday of the church. It was when we became alive in Christ because of the power of his Spirit. And those early disciples who, who began to, to, to become on fire for Jesus, right, have passed on that legacy to us today. So that same Holy Spirit that they experienced is here with us now, today, and every day, empowering us and giving us a passion to carry on this mission that God has given us to fulfill. And the season of the church life that we move into now is the season of the church. It's the season where the church goes out into the world, where, where it grows and it spreads and it multiplies, and we see lives transformed and communities transformed. And ultimately, we know the reason we're here today is because those early disciples were successful in becoming fruitful, and they transformed the whole world, right? That's what the whole story of the book of Acts is about. In the same way that the Spirit empowered those early disciples to become Jesus' witnesses, both locally and around the world, we too celebrate that Jesus continues to send us out into his world to be his witnesses and to love others in his name so that we can become a blessing to others. Today, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be celebrating many of the ways that God is continuing to pour out his spirit on the people of Faith Covenant Church and calling us to go into the world to be his witnesses. This morning, we get to commission some of our mission teams that have been spending hours and hours preparing and praying and planning to go out, to, to be light in the darkness and to share the love of Christ with those in our own community and in our world. In a minute, I'm going to ask Pastor Dick to come and, and lead us through a time of praying for and commissioning these teams. But, but for now, I want to invite us, as we continue to worship this morning, as we continue in song and in praise, to, to recognize that that same spirit that was given to the early church, the birth of the church that came through the presence of the Spirit of Christ on those people, is the same spirit that God wants to give you and me today and in our day. Let's invite that spirit in this place as we lift up the name of Jesus, as we celebrate what God is doing at Faith Covenant Church, and as we worship the living God this morning. Holy God, if only we could have a thousand tongues to sing your praise and to share your story and to tell the good news. And yet, God, we also know that because you have invited us to be a part 
of this community of Christ called the church. We are a thousand tongues. We have thousands and thousands of tongues, and we are a part of this greater community, the, the body of Christ in the world. And so we thank you that you've enfolded us into your presence and into your grace and allowed us to be a part of your creation that sings to you and lifts up the name of Jesus, in whose name we pray. The story of the church continues in Acts 2.42 and tells us that the believers found a new lifestyle together, a lifestyle of discipleship that included meeting together in their homes and going to church together or going to the temple together. Not only did they, they worship together and, and study the Bible together and do religious things together, but they, they learned how to share life together. In Acts 2.42, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And this is exactly what we talked about last week, if you were here with us. Right here in the story of the early church, we can see that these early Christians began to practice the basic fundamentals of the Christian life. And we talked about how if you want to excel at something, if you want to, if you want to do well, you, you got to get good at the fundamentals, right? You have, to, you have to go back and you have to practice those foundational skills that allow you to get better and better at whatever it is you're trying to do, whether it's a sport or a musical instrument or uh, uh, even preaching, right? <laughs> if you want to excel at anything, you have to go back to the basics. You have to develop the fundamental skills that brings success. And we talked about how these basic fundamental skills for the Christian are, are being in God's word, are being in prayer, being in communication with God, and being in community with God's people. All these basic fundamentals are laid out right here in the life of the birth of the church. Those first Christians, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Uh, what do you think the apostles taught? Right? They taught the scriptures and how the scriptures all point to Jesus and that Jesus is the fulfillment of all of God's promises to God's people and that the good news is that that same promise to, to the people of Israel is now made available through the Holy Spirit to, to everyone, to you and to me. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. They devoted themselves to the fellowship. It meant they, they hung out together. They spent time together. They shared life together. They enjoyed the fellowship of being a part of a spiritual family. And, and, and it was part of being in, in fellowship with one another. They discovered that, that spiritual connection through the Holy Spirit that allowed them to, to have confidence to go out into the world together. They broke bread together. Now, I, I know that for us, this is a, an indicator of communion, right? But, but we understand, right, that, that the, the early communion experience was table fellowship, right? They, they shared a meal together. They broke bread, and they sat around the table, and they shared ribs and corn on the cup. No, I, I, I got Memorial Day in my head still. But, but they, they, they shared food, and, and I always say, you know, food is the grease of ministry, right? 
It's, it's one of the things that, that, that we all need. We all need food. We all love food. It's the basic sustenance of life. And when we share the, those basic needs together, we're, we're indicating that, that we understand that we are not perfect people. We are all struggling people. We all need to be fed. And, and in the same way that our physical bodies need to be fed, our spiritual bodies, our spiritual life needs to feed. We need to drink of the Spirit. And so these fundamental skills of the Christian life are so basic to experiencing the truth of God's word and the abundant life that Jesus came to give us, that fruitful life comes out of spending time in God's word and with God in prayer and in community with God's people. And we also talked about how, how being in community is more than just fellowship for fun, although that's important, but it's fellowship for sharing some of those deeper honest truths about our lives. We, we need to be in smaller communities that we, we say are a high trust and high commitment, a safe place where we can be honest about those difficult, challenging places in our lives, those broken places, because we, we know we all have them, uh, but, but it's hard. We don't expect you to come to church on Sunday morning and grab the mic and say, so come and share all of the skeletons in your, your closet this morning, Right? But we have to have a place where we can be honest and we can be real. And if the church can't be a safe place uh, to bring all of our baggage and to, and to find hope and healing, where else are we going to go? And where else are people in the world going to go if their perception of us is that we are these holier-than-thou, perceptively perfect people who don't accept flaws and brokenness and difficulty? See, the, the message, the good news message of Jesus is just the opposite. As a result of these disciples' devotion, they devoted themselves to these fundamentals of the Christian life. The Holy Spirit began to use those believers to transform people's lives, to transform their local communities, and ultimately to transform the entire world. And I know that we look at the world around us and we see a world that is gone to hell in a handbasket, right? We see a world that is rapidly changing and is rapidly becoming anti-Christian and is rapidly becoming a world that has gone astray. And yet, do you think the world of these early Christians was really all that different from the world we live in today? And yet they had the faith and the trust that, that, that giving themselves to these fundamental experiences of the Christian life together would allow them, would actually allow the Spirit of God to use them to transform their world, to make a difference. See, I want to encourage us today to remember that in the same way that the good news is not about how good we are, but about how good God is, that the ability for us to make a difference in our world, to transform the world around us, doesn't come from our own wisdom and strength. It comes from the power of Christ at work within us. The story of the church continues in Acts 3, and, and I, I, I want to kind of focus on a, a piece of this story for us this morning, where we see Peter and John, uh, two of Jesus' first disciples who are on their way to church, right? They're, they're, they're going to church. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon, and now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have. 
But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the hand, the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to, used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. This is a church growth strategy, <laughs> right? What's interesting, though, I had a friend back in the day that, that talked through this story with me. Silver or gold, I do not have, Peter said. I don't have any money. I don't have any silver or gold that you're begging for. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, get up, walk. And the man walked. And see, too often we, we think that church is accomplished through silver and gold. And by that, I don't just mean money. Yes, money is a, is a big piece of that, but, but silver and gold can also represent our own strength, our own wisdom, the programs that we can create, uh, make it flashy enough or attractive enough or, or grand enough, and somehow people are going to want to come to church. But, but that's not inviting them to Jesus. That's inviting them to church. The problem is that what we can do in our own strength, in our own wisdom, in our own worldly wise ways is not what people really need. See, what they need is the same thing that you and I need because we don't really need all those things either. We could let all those things go if we can find the one thing that we really need, which is the healing power of Jesus at work in our lives. See, we practice the fundamentals of staying connected to Jesus as the true vine because we know that that's what we most need too because that's what the world around us most needs and it's something that only he can provide. But if we can stay connected to the vine, if we can stay connected to Jesus, if we get good at the fundamentals and we do life together well, what happens is we get to experience that healing touch in our lives. Those lame places in our lives get healed and we can walk again in new ways. We can run again in new ways. And then beyond that, it's not just for us as well because then we get to pass it on to other people. Silver or gold, I don't have, but hey, what I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus, walk, be healed. Let me pray for you. Let the spirit work in your life. Look what Jesus has done for me. It's not because of how good I am. It's because of how good God is. And God can do that for you too. And see, when we become a church that's more about bringing the healing power of Jesus to people's lives and less about the silver and gold that we have to bring to somehow make it attractive enough to the world around us, we will become a church that begins to transform people's lives and transform our local community. And yes, we too can transform the world. Amen? What area of life for you today is in need of healing that touch of Jesus? What are those broken places that you bring to worship this morning? And, and, and maybe you're the only one who knows about it, but you know that God knows. And, and maybe this morning is, is about the Holy Spirit inviting you to let go of, of all the things that you've been putting your trust in, all of the silver and gold things in your life that somehow you think in your own strength you're going to be able to make the change or make the difference or find the golden ring or happiness. 
And you're realizing this morning as we look at the story of the early church that, that, that we don't need that silver and gold. If we just say yes to the power of Jesus in our lives, the Holy Spirit can heal us and mend us and make us clean and whole again. What areas of our world, what areas of our community might we be called to serve in this day? Not with our silver and gold, but, but, but through offering that healing and transforming power of Jesus. You see, in, in order to, to transfer that power, we have to reach out and we have to touch some people who we might think are untouchable. We might actually have to venture into a, a conversation with somebody that we'd rather not even talk to. We might have to open our eyes and look and see the brokenness in the people around us, just like Peter and John. They looked at the man. They saw him. They didn't just walk by and pretend like they didn't see him, like probably most of us do, right? There's a, 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 always somebody out on the corner up at Fred Meyer, <laughs> right, up in Bonnie Lake when I'm coming out, and they got the sign, and I'm kind of like, oh, just drive by, <laughs> Right? How easy is it us for, to close ourselves off from, from those places? Because we don't want to get scammed. We don't want to get dirty. We don't want to get messy. We, we can't fix those people. We don't have the silver or gold that's going to bring them out of their poverty or get them a home to live in. But what if it's not silver or gold that they really need? What if it's something else that we do have that we've lost the ability to understand that we can give away to people? What if it's the power of the Spirit in their lives, not simply because of how good we are, but because God wants to bless them? Maybe just simply offering to pray for and touch them will open the door for the Holy Spirit to do a miraculous work of transformation and healing in their lives. And you know, if that starts happening, if we start seeing people, they're going to come up and they're going to want to tell you their dirty laundry. Right? They're going to say, you know what? I was doing this, this, and this, and this is what was going on in my life, and, and now I'm healed because the power of God has taken over and it's changed me. And the testimony becomes part of the witness of the Holy Spirit from Acts 1. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Our witness, our testimony is not about how good we are. It's about how God has transformed our lives, how he has shaped our brokenness into something that we can give away as a gift to others. What areas of our world, what areas of Sumner or Ording or Bonnie Lake or Puyallup or Auburn are you being called to, to, to look at, to see, to reach out to, to touch this morning? See, we've been given an incredible gift and an incredible honor to participate in God's mission of love to his world. See, our mission and our vision at Faith Covenant Church, as we've been trying to express it with some new words and some new language, is to do real life together. Men and women, this is real life. It's living in the messy brokenness of a world that has turned its back on God, and it's getting out into the trenches and bringing the only thing that will make a difference is the healing power of Jesus in their lives. To pursue a real life together means we need to be connecting with one another and with God, but it also means we need to be connecting with the world around us. To grow in our faith means we need to be committing ourselves to relationships of high trust and high commitment with other Christians, but it also means we need to get out there into the world and allow God to use us because we grow more when we come to the end of ourselves and we see the, the dependence of the power of God at work in our lives. 
And ultimately, as we serve together in Jesus' name, we discover the very reason for why God made me the way he made me, why he shaped me the way I am, and why he's given me the experiences that he's given me because he's created me for a purpose and he wants to use me in a way that that he can't use anybody else. God has shaped you in a way and he's prepared you to do something for someone else that no one else can do. I can't do it with all my years of education and training and and, and ministry experience. There's something that only you can do because God has shaped and wired you uniquely as you are. And he's gifted you to be able to offer this same gift of the power of the Spirit to someone else in your life. And maybe it's just one person, or maybe it's a group of people, or maybe it's crowds of people. Every one of us has a different sphere of influence, but it's not the sphere of influence that matters. It's whether we're using the gifts God has given us. Remember the, the, the parable of the talents? Some people are given one talent. Some people are given five talents. Some people are given 10 talents. Those talents are, are, are money, right? It's spiritual resources, I pray that we are not the kind of Christians and the kind of church that will take that little resource because we're so worried about losing our silver and gold and we bury it in the ground. And when Jesus comes back, we say, here, here's what you gave us. When all the while he wanted us to be generous and invest it and give it away so that it could multiply and grow. Not because of our ability to multiply it, because the Holy Spirit empowers it and allows it to grow through God's strength. As a result, my hope is that we begin to experience the miraculous power of God in our lives, and we begin to have a testimony to share. We begin to tell our story as a part of the witness. And so that as we begin to experience this good news power of Jesus healing in our lives, the good news isn't just a story that we tell other people and hope they believe it. It's a story that we share because it's our story, and people believe it. Because it's real. Because we're living a real life together.